0: Is going to be a very important broadcast for a lot of people that are watching. Uh, The reason I say that is because it's amazing to me. Well, let me tell. Let me let me break it down uh, step by step for you. It's amazing to me where um, many Christians have arrived in the way they believe about Christianity, the, the way they believe about the Bible, the way they believe about. Jesus, angels, demons, all of those things, um, because I think what has happened, and this is, my, this is my perspective, just I've been in the church world for my entire life. I grew up in a uh, preacher's home. I've been in revivals uh, almost every night of my life for my whole life, and um, so it's not like I haven't been around church. It's not like I haven't been around Christians. And the, the thing that I'm seeing, and if you've looked back over uh, Christian history for the last 40 years that I've been alive, uh, one of the things you'll notice that kind of started becoming a trend, probably in the 80s, uh, maybe even the, the beginnings of it a little bit before that, um, is that you started seeing this shift in churches, especially in the West, a shift in churches to... Um, to try to attract more people into the church, something that we now refer to as the seeker sensitive movement or seeker sensitive churches. They were trying to be sensitive, most literally to seekers, those that maybe were interested in God or, you know, maybe had some small previous experience. So it's like, you know what, we need to get, we need to bring people into the church, which initially, you know, was, um, I believe, a good, obviously, if you're trying to get people into church, you're trying to get people close to God, that's a good goal. No question about that. Um, and I'm sure it may, may have started from a genuine heart. I don't know, because I don't know who originated it. I know some of the people that were around as it was beginning. But it's not about just having a good goal. You also have to do or accomplish your goal in the right way. You've got to accomplish your goal in the right way. And so, in the process of creating this seeker-sensitive atmosphere, um, one of the things that I noticed just from observing it is the shift in how church was uh, organized and how church was planned. Meaning, um, you saw a lot of uh, heavy development of worship, the music, the praise and worship, Um, You, you began to see a lot of production value uh, starting to hit the church. Nothing wrong. I'm not, I'm not slamming this. I'm just saying, uh, if you look at what began to shift, um, we went from very traditional uh, church. We went from, um, you know, hymns and, and, and traditional worship, and you started moving into the, the, um, what you might call uh, contemporary worship. And and there were churches that kept both, right? Yet you could join our early morning traditional service or you can come to our later contemporary service. And really all that meant was in the traditional service, we're going to sing hymns. And in the contemporary service, we're going to sing uh, popular Christian music. Um, That was basically the only difference for the most part. And so you had this shift where uh, there was a heavy development upon the worship and the praise um, and some of that. And then in the preaching, what you saw happen was they went, they began to move away from a lot of the, um, exegetical preaching, um, away from doctrinal preaching and, um, and the, the messages began to become, uh, more surface level, if you will. And to the extreme where you started to have very, uh, self-help messages that were preached. And it, it just, it got very, you know, when you start to see titles like, you know, seven ways to cultivate better work relationships, you know, that's not, I don't believe that's a Sunday morning topic for the believer, right? It's like, um, you know, that's, that's uh, I don't know. I mean, we may do something like that on a broadcast, that's not for Sunday morning church. And so um, what happened as a result, and I think the mindset was, we're, we're trying, we're going too deep in the Bible. We're going over people's heads and uh, those that are seekers, we need to be sensitive to them, We need to just kind of um, feed them baby food kind of a feeling. And what ended up happening is it kept everybody as babies for 40 years. And now, you know, we're 40 years down the road. And uh, we've had a healthy diet in many of these churches of very surface level uh, preaching and teaching. And what has it produced? It has produced a generation of people that do not know what they believe about the Bible. They do not know what they believe about uh, their, you know, very fluid theology, very fluid theology. And this is why, now I I believe this with all my heart because this is part of Bible prophecy, right? Um, uh, You saw a lot of these churches that used to have Sunday school. Okay, now Sunday school, we hear that term now, uh, you know, Sunday school. And what do we equate that with? Uh, That's what our children go to, right? Children go to Sunday school. But if you've been in church for any period of time, uh, you know, even longer than what I'm talking about, you'll probably remember that there was a time where Sunday school was for everybody. It was for adults. There was adult Sunday school. And you would attend, even in my grandfather's church in West Virginia, we would have adult Sunday school. When I was um, uh, in Bible school at Ramah, uh, they just they called it uh, school of the Bible, school of the Bible, and every adult attended a different school of the Bible class before the Sunday morning service began. Well, uh, part of the power of Sunday school was that that is where you would learn the doctrines of the church. That's when you would be taught, like school, right? Like school, you would be taught. Here's why we believe what we believe as a church. We're going to do a study on this, or we're going, to, we're going to go into this book of the Bible and go through it uh, systematically. We're going to talk about healing this month and why we believe in healing, why we lay hands on the sick. So the Sunday school uh, functioned as a way to uh, go deeper. And then even our preaching was was far more exegetical. It was far more doctrinal than what you began to see in a lot of the seeker-sensitive churches. All right, so they stripped Sunday school away from the church. So and then, and then on top of that, they switched up the way they preached in their services. So what ended up happening, as you can see, is that we raised up an entire generation of believers that do not know why they believe what they believe. They, they don't have, and again, this is why I like to use this term, a fluid doctrine. You know, what do you mean by a fluid doctrine? It's not solidified. It's not etched in stone. This is what we believe. It does not change. Just as the word of God does not change, right? This, our doctrine does not change because it's based on the written word of God. So let me give you an extreme example, right? Uh, We would say, uh, for for example, um, Jesus Christ. Now, this is a doctrine of the Christian church. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. There's no question about that. The deity of Christ is a uh, essential, it's an essential doctrine of the Christian Church, believing that Jesus Christ was the Word that existed from the beginning of time, John chapter 1. Then later in John chapter 1, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth, right? Uh, Hebrews 1, Jesus Christ was the exact representation of the will and nature and character of the Father. He was God in the flesh. Uh, Even when they questioned Jesus, right? The Pharisees questioned him. His disciples questioned him. What did he say? How did he reply? I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, You've seen the father and they even knew what he was saying. It's not like he was saying, what does he mean by that? They knew what he was saying, which is why they picked up stones to stone him. They knew he said, for what good, what good work do you, for what good work do you stone me? They said, not because of your good works, because of your blasphemy for you've made yourself like God, John chapter 10. So this is something that's been established throughout the new Testament and the gospels. Uh, Not only did Jesus claim to be God. And produced the works of god on the earth by supernatural power but the apostles believed he was god and paul believed he was god and you go on down through the church the church believed he was god and so this is an established doctrine right well if you have fluid doctrine love you caleb if you have fluid doctrine then what happens your doctrine's always changing you get well you know no i heard some teaching that, uh, you know, Jesus was not God in the flesh, but he was a representative of God. Then you're going over into like Muslim doctrine. Well, He was a prophet, you know, and and everything, but he was not, uh, you know, God. He was not God in the flesh. So what happens to people that have fluid doctrine is that it's always changing. It's not based upon the scripture. It's based upon uh, something they heard someone teach. It's, you know, all these other things. Okay, well, that's an example of how uh, the, the danger comes. Well, then, then Paul the apostle prophesies that in the future, there will be people who will leave the faith. These are apostates. will They will be, they'll go from being a Christian to leaving the faith, pulled away by doctrines of devils, demonic doctrines, things that are taught inspired by demon spirits. Paul's very clear about that there will be doctrines preached in the last days inspired by demon spirits that will cause people to leave the faith. All right. Um, But here's the thing I wonder about. If we had stayed consistent raising up believers and properly discipling them with strong word-based doctrinal teaching, would these things have been possible? Now, of course, I know prophecy is going to be fulfilled no matter what. It's God's word. It's his prophecy. But uh, I wonder if that could have been delayed even if we had continued to raise up and disciple strong Christians who have doctrinal teaching that know why they believe what they believe. Because here's what I'm seeing now. What I said Christians have gone wild, Christians have gone crazy. The things that I'm dealing with and that I'm teaching even on the broadcast, you know, I've done two broadcasts now on, uh, like I did this week, can Christians be demon-possessed? Okay, these are uh, insane, insane doctrines. And the reason I say that they're insane, and I, call, I use the word doctrines lightly because it's the, it's the way those people believe. The reason I say they're insane, you know, and I've been going back and forth uh, with people that believe that, and uh, the sad part about this, and here's what I want to teach today: the sad part about this is that they have no scriptural reference for any of the things they're saying or teaching to people. So, so think about in the reference of what I dealt with this week that you know can Christians be demon possessed? And the emphatic answer is no, no Christians cannot be possessed by a demon. But even when, uh, you know, I had somebody send a whole list over, okay, I took that list and I went through it bullet point by bullet point and exegetically broke down every argument and then showed the context of the passages they used as their argument, that they, they were contextually wrong, they were using passages out of context. Uh, I, I showed that even in the, the Greek words they were pointing to, like daimonitsumai. Those words weren't even in the context of the Greek that they pointed to, Acts five, Acts eight, that word's not even used. So they're coming up with all of these ideas and coming up with all these doctrines that they're teaching. Okay, well, what does that doctrine produce? Let me tell you what that uh, doctrine produces. It produces fear in Christians and it produces confusion in Christians and it produces, Uh, An urgent anxiety, to the point where, as I was, uh, somebody shared this with me. uh, They were around two uh, of these preachers that were part of this hyper deliverance movement, and um, one preacher said to the other one, "I shared this on the thing. Well, you know, I've searched myself, brother, and uh, I don't sense any demons in me. But could you do me a favor?" And he used the term "oil check." Could you do an oil check on me? Could you? just discern to see, do you, do you feel any demons in me? Do I have any demons? And if you find any, could you cast them out of me? Well, that's insanity. That's pure insanity that you would say as a Christian with the Holy spirit, with the Holy spirit, who's in you, the Bible says that you could have a demon living in you. And and furthermore, if there was one in you that you couldn't know it was there. Uh, you know, You think that there'd be a demon inside you as the Holy Spirit is there, and the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, I can't sense anything. I I don't really, I couldn't tell you whether or not there is a demon in your house. It's like, bro, you are out of your mind. You're out of your mind. That's crazy talk. And any preachers that believe like that should not be in a pulpit. They should not be ministering to other people. I'll say this again. If you don't know as a preacher whether or not you have demons in you, you should not be in the pulpit you should not be in the pulpit. And so the problem, and Jamie from Wisconsin said, is it instead called oppression, not demonic possession? I think that those markers are very important because I, I've never disagreed. Now here's the other thing, I come from a line. It's not like I'm against deliverance. <laughs> here's what I don't think people get. It's not, and I'm working on a book right now called, the, it's called The Deliverance Deception. I come from a line of deliverance ministries. You know, A.A. Allen had a deliverance ministry, healing and deliverance. One preacher said, uh, it was Brother Schambach, regarding Brother Allen. Brother Allen casts more demons out of people on accident than most people do on purpose, right? And so, uh, deliverance ministry, his understudy, R.W. Shambach, R.W. Shambach, deliverance ministry, Cast demons out left and right. My father studied under him and and followed him and traveled with him 20 years. My father has a deliverance ministry. Cast many demons out. Heals the sick. Gifts of the spirit in operation. I have cast demons out. Many demons out of people. I've done it overseas. I've done it in the United States of America. Seen healing. Deliverance from addictions. So it's not like I'm I'm sitting here Uh, like some cessationist that doesn't believe in the power of God. It's not like I'm sitting here as a preacher that says, I don't believe that stuff's for today. I'm not disagreeing with it from that basis. I I believe in deliverance. I believe in the power of God. I have operated many times and continue to operate in the power of deliverance, doing what the Bible says we should do, cast out devils, cast out devils. I'm all for that. I believe in deliverance. I believe in the supernatural power of God. So I'm not arguing from the standpoint of, that stuff's not for today, and you know, you're know you a little overboard operating the power of God. No, 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 I believe in all those things. But what I don't believe in is that a Christian, a born-again believer, whose salvation is sealed by the Holy Spirit, who has the greater one living on the inside of them, and can teach them all things, knows all things, and empowers them to cast out devils, can have a demon possessing and controlling them. That's not in the Bible, by the way. And it doesn't matter to these people that it's not in the Bible. It doesn't, it simply doesn't matter. This is why I said Christians have gone crazy. They've gone crazy. Because what they've done is that they've walked away from the inspired, inerrant word of God. They've walked away. They've walked away from it. They don't care anymore. They don't care if it's a, as long as it's a YouTube fad, something that can get them followers, they'll do whatever is necessary. And that's not all of them. Uh, Some of them genuinely believe this and they genuinely want to see people helped, but they genuinely are wrong. And here's why I say, as I dealt with the other day, it's a dangerous thing to build your doctrine on things that the Bible does not say. You don't, in fact, if you're taking notes and if you want to put something in the comments that will help you immensely, it is this. Are you ready? Don't build doctrine on what the Bible does not say. Build doctrine on what the Bible does say. And Pearl says, they are not insane, have seen Christians many delivered. You're saying the minute people accept the Lord, that every demon leaves them. They wouldn't know how to keep them out, seven more would come back in. No, that's not the case at all. If someone is possessed by a demon, if someone's possessed by a demon, the demons have to be cast out of them before they can receive Christ and confess. Do you think a, a person that's possessed by a demon, Pearl, is going to allow that person to confess Christ as Lord? doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. They didn't turn, even before there was salvation, they didn't turn and follow after Jesus until the demons were cast out, right? Think about the man in Mark chapter five. He did not return to Jesus uh, in his right mind and then tell this testimony and go throughout the towns and villages until Jesus cast the demons out of him. Amen. It it never happened. I, I know, Peter. And I'm going to deal with Derek Prince's teachings in the book that I'm releasing. And so this never happened. You know, the thing that people like Pearl who believe this, the, fu- the, the funny thing is they have nowhere in the New Testament to prove what they believe because it's not in the Bible. It's simply not in the Bible. And I dealt with that. And I dealt with that with all of these people that believe this is that you'll not find one, not one example in the New Testament of a Christian being possessed. Now their argument becomes, well, you know, possession is not in the original Greek. It just is demonized. Okay, fine, demonized. Uh, Show me a place in the New Testament where the apostles cast a demon out of or away from a Christian who was demonized. Show me one place. And they'll say, well, uh, one place that you can look is Acts five with Ananias. We treated that passage uh, when we did this broadcast a couple days ago. And nowhere does the Bible say Ananias had a demon. Nowhere does it say he was demonized. All that it says is that Satan filled his cardia, his heart, his mind, and his imaginations with the thought to keep back. He had a love of money. And then the passage says later, he decided, Apostle says it, he made the decision to keep some back for himself. The demon didn't force him to do it, there was no demon. And if he was demon-possessed, Why did the apostle not cast the demon out of Ananias or Sapphira? You know why? There was no demon to cast out because Christians can't be demon-possessed. He simply had a love of money, which was the root of all kind of evil, and he lied because of his love for money, wanted to keep it back, and he was judged for it. Simon the sorcerer was not demon-possessed after being saved. Acts 8.13 says he was saved, and then after that, right? After that, he was saved, baptized, and followed after the apostles. He had, a, he had a spirit of pride, wanted to be great in the eyes of the people, tried to buy the power of God with money. And all Peter told him was, repent. You need to repent this, for this wickedness. That's, but it was no demon. The word daimonitsumai is not used in that passage. He wasn't demonized. There was no demon to cast out, and the apostle did not cast the demon out. I took Manny is on it. He said, could it be that people claim to be Christians when they are not? Absolutely. You're not a Christian just because you say you're a Christian, right? You're not a Christian just because you say you are. The Bible says by the fruit of your life. That's how you're known. And only God can truly tell, you know, who will eternally. We can only tell by the fruit of their life, right? That's what the Bible says. You'll know them by their fruit. We can only tell by the fruit of their life. There's no passage. There's no passage. Here's here's another one they'll use. What about Jesus turned to Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. See, Peter was filled with Satan. No, it's called the law of double reference. If Jesus, if Peter was filled, let me ask you a question. If Peter was filled with Satan or a demon, how come Jesus didn't cast the devil out of him? Why instead did Jesus say, I'm going to build my church on you. Your name is Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter means stone or rock. Upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why, instead of casting a demon out of Peter, did Jesus just say, I'm going to build the church on you, Peter? (laughs) I mean, like, Judas. But again, Indian, Indian lover says, what about Judas? Was he possessed? Judas was possessed by a demon spirit. However, Judas was not a Christian. Jesus had not died and resurrected yet, and so Judas was not... He didn't have a salvation that was sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not living on the inside of Judas. He didn't have the greater one living on the inside of him. He was not, he was not a Christian. No one was a Christian before Jesus died and resurrected. No one. It's impossible. How could you be a Christian without the shed blood of Christ? What, here's a question. What does it take to become a Christian? You have to confess that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that what god raised him from the dead what do you do before god raised him from the dead there's nothing to believe it hasn't happened yet so you can't be a christian if the prerequisites for christianity had not yet been carried out that's why none of the disciples were christians as they were operating with christ in his ministry on the earth judas was not a christian right all those people we dealt with in the gospels and before they were not christians And so there is a difference. And if people demean that, like it's not a big deal. Well, that's what you guys always say. You'll just say they weren't Christians. Yes, that's right. They weren't Christians. That's important. Redemption is important. So here's the issue I'm I'm dealing with today is that there's no example. There's no example in the New Testament anywhere. And so then they'll say, well, you know, uh, Philip went to Samaria in Acts chapter eight and the Bible says, and demons came out of many people. Who's to say those people weren't Christians. We are saying it because it's not taught in the Bible. It's not taught in the Bible. So here's, here's the danger that I'm talking to you about. You don't build doctrine based upon what the Bible doesn't say. You build doctrine based on what the Bible does say. Again, let me help you, and just please put this in the comments. You don't establish doctrines by what the Bible doesn't say. You establish doctrine by what the Bible does say. You don't take arguments from silence. And you say, well, what's an argument from silence? If you've never heard that term before, it means an argument from silence is uh, what people use, let's say, for those that disagree with fasting, right? Fasting uh, as, as a, a discipline for the New Testament believer. They'd say, well, if fasting was so important, how come Paul never preached on it once to any of the churches that he wrote letters to? Why didn't Paul ever command them to fast and pray if it was so important? That is an argument from silence. You don't say, well, fasting's not important because Paul never mentioned it. That's an argument from silence, from what was not said. But then look at his life in, a, in the book of Acts. Paul was a man who fasted and prayed, right? It was part of his uh, discipline. And then he said, I'll send, Tim- I'll send Timothy to t- teach you to live like I live. Part of how he lived was fasting and prayer. So. I'll tell you another thing Paul did not preach about, teach about in his letters, the virgin birth of Jesus. But just because he didn't mention the virgin birth, you don't say, well, you know, the early church didn't believe in the virgin birth because Paul never taught it in his letters. No, that's an argument from silence and it's utter foolishness. It's utter foolishness. Those are people that are unskillfully handling the word of God, unskillfully. They have no business teaching other Christians the the word of God, no business. That's why the Bible says you don't put up a novice. That's why the Bible says that you should study to show yourself approved, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, that can rightly divide the word of truth. Vital. That's vital. And so people are going nuts because they start building doctrines, but they've got no biblical basis for the doctrines they're teaching. And so you know what what happens? I'm going back to this term I used earlier, fluid doctrine. It changes with, you know, all the time. Just changes, changes, changes. Right? Because they don't know what they believe and they've got no biblical basis to uh, teach what they believe. I'll read you a quote, a comment that I received um, on Instagram. Really interesting to me. Very interesting to me. um, That people could believe Here's the comment. The, the Holy Spirit is in his church. He leads us into all truth. Without him, we can't understand the scriptures. The Holy Spirit's continued to lead this church for 2000 years. Uh, and he's talking about, we need, uh, councils and, and, uh, you know, creeds and, and all these things. Um, and I said, are you trying to say, are you trying to say that we don't need scripture? Or we can't base we can base our, our our doctrine on things other than the written word of God? And he said, no, didn't don't you know that both scripture and church tradition, including creeds, oral tradition, ecumenical, ecumenical councils, um, and liturgy, church fathers, are authoritative. Are authoritative. Are authoritative. That is heresy. That what I just read to you, that phrase that he just commented on Instagram, that is pure heresy. Let me read it to you again so you know what I'm talking about. I am saying, he writes, that both scripture and church tradition, including creeds, oral tradition, ecumenical councils, liturgy, church fathers, etc., are authoritative and intertwined together. That's heresy. To say that uh, church tradition holds the same uh, authority as the written word of God, that is heresy. To say that the church fathers, Irenaeus, you know, uh, Polycarp, whoever you want to list, the Shepherd of Hermas, I mean, whoever, whoever you want to list, that their writings or their uh, teaching is on the same level of authority as the written word of God, that is heresy. To say that the ecumenical councils held the same authority as the written word of God, that is heresy. To say that the creeds... See, I, I start to wonder if he is Catholic because that's what Catholics believe. Catholic believe. Catholics believe that church tradition and the, the word of the church holds the same authority as the written word of God. That is heresy. That is heresy. There is nothing. In fact, let me take you to second Timothy chapter three. three, second Timothy chapter three. I mean, he and I have nothing in common. We have nothing in common to say that the word of a man, because remember something, that's all that is. Church fathers. Okay, church fathers were not inspired by God to give us scripture, they were not. They were not. Scripture, the canon, was already recognized. Just because somebody years later said, let's make a collection of canonized scripture and recognize it, doesn't mean that the canon was not already set in stone and recognized. So to say that the words of men, whether they be men who filled ecumenical councils, created creeds, wrote his church fathers, whatever church tradition, whatever to say that that holds the same authority as the written word of God is heresy. There's no other word to, and I, and listen, I'm not one of these guys, you know, my, my YouTube channel, I'm not one of these heresy hunters. That's like watching everybody's video to point out there. Another person's preaching heresy and he's preaching heresy and they're, they're heresy hunters. Uh, you know, I'm, They're just waiting for one person to slip up in a message and say the wrong thing so that they can do a whole video on it. I'm not doing that. I'm not even mentioning the guy's name. I'm just telling you to believe that way is heresy. It's absolute heresy to put the words and teachings of men on the same level as God's inspired word is heresy. Now, of course, there's passages in the Bible that refer to the apostles teaching verbally their oral teaching but can we keep in mind please that the apostles of the lamb were inspired by the holy spirit to create canon that's why they were that's what they were inspired for listen to second timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 all scripture is breathed out by god and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction for training in righteousness listen that the man of god may be complete, complete, equipped for every good work. So here's what I'm telling this person or anybody that may believe that way. Not only is what you said heresy, but the reason that it's heresy is because you say that we need church tradition and you say that we need the ecumenical councils. I'm not saying that that we didn't um, need them. I'm saying they're not inspired. They don't hold the same authority as scripture, but saying all that means that we, we can't just have the word of God and be complete and equipped for every good work. So in his opinion, we needed church tradition to be complete and equipped. We needed ecumenical councils to be complete and equipped. We needed creeds to be complete and equipped. Creeds are extremely helpful, but again, they've got to be based on what? Scripture. They've got to be based on Scripture. What the Ecumenical Councils discussed and decided needed to be based on Scripture. He pointed out Acts 15. If you were with us for the Galatians study, I went through the Jerusalem Council and why it was important in Acts 15 uh, for the Galatians and for all Gentiles. But again, the, the Jerusalem Council did not come up with new doctrine. What did they do? They pointed back to doctrine that had already been established for thousands of years with the Jews. And so they understood. They were operating by inspired doctrine. We know. And keep in mind, with the Jerusalem Council, these are apostles that are inspired to continue to create canon. Ephesians hadn't been written yet in that way, where it's like, uh, we are saved by grace through faith alone and not by works, lest any man should boast. These things are being developed and ongoing. And they were inspired to do it. The problem is, that you take that same approach and now 2,000 years later say, well, I read a book from a guy and that guy said, you know, that, that demons can be in Christians. And I, I'm just telling you, I think that that's the case. I feel it in my spirit and I'll tell you, I've seen it with my own eyes. That's not, you don't build doctrine on experiences. You don't build doctrine on experiences. That's total and utter foolishness. Total and utter, utter it's heresy to say that these extra-biblical things are on the same level of authority as the written word of God. Pray you get better, Jason. Pray God touches you. I saw the, the enemy attack you. Now pray, I'm praying for you. That the Lord will touch you in quick recovery in Jesus' name. I'm just telling you. And this, now I say that things go crazy. The reason things go crazy and you get out into these weird fringe doctrines is because people aren't basing what they have on the word of God. The only reason I'm dealing with this one is because it's the latest one we've dealt with on the broadcast. But there's nowhere in the Bible that you can teach and preach those things in the New Testament. And so as a result, what are you doing? Well, I think that some of the people Philip cast demons out of in Samaria were, were Christians. Where does the Bible say that? Where does the Bible say that? I'll help you, it doesn't say that. Well, you know, the apostles went through all these regions casting demons out of people and who's to say many of them weren't Christians? Uh, the Bible. The Bible is the one to say that many of them weren't Christians because it doesn't say it. It doesn't say it. Did you ever wonder why there's no instruction or teaching? I pointed this out the other day, and I'm doing it from this perspective so that, you can, so that you can say, and Pearl, see that Pearl says, where does it say they weren't? But did you ever notice this, Pearl? This will help you if you think about this. There's never been one instance of a Christian having a demon cast out of them in the Bible. There's no apostle that ever did it. There's no church member that ever did it. And there's no instruction anywhere in the New Testament for what a Christian should do if they become demon-possessed or demonized, as these people would say. There's no instruction other than they don't say, hold a deliverance service and get the demon cast out of you. No. You know what the Bible says? Use self-control. If you're battling with anxiety, if you're battling with fear, what does Philippians say? It says that you need to come and uh, make your requests known unto God. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God and the God of the God of heaven will give what a peace that passes understanding that will guard your hearts and minds by faith. So, uh, what does that mean? If you're battling with that, you don't need a deliverance service where have a demon cast out of you. You need to just pray and thank God and then peace will come on you and it'll guard your heart and mind. Amen. So what does the Bible say? all these things, walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It doesn't say that if you have these things happening in your life, you need someone to cast the devil out of you. No, it says, walk by the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And it's a dangerous teaching because it opens people up. And then you have uh, immature Christians. Well, do I have a demon? Maybe I'm demon possessed. Maybe that's the reason all these things are happening to me. And then you start getting into all this crazy nonsense. I've got generational demons. They've they've gotten into my bloodline. Where is that in the Bible? Where is that in the Bible? That's taught. If you guys don't know that that's taught, that's taught. I got a generational demon. I was in a service with a person one time. I couldn't even believe it. I thought they were legitimate. Found out later they were freaking nuts. Freaking nuts. Did way too many drugs before they got saved. Way too many. And they're nuts. And I'm sitting there listening to this person teach. And they're teaching about generational demons that get into your bloodline. No, this is no lie. Generational demons that get into your bloodline. And then you have to, by faith and by the Holy Spirit, you have to time travel back to the place where that demon entered your bloodline. And then you have to cut it out. An angel or the power you know, of, of the angel has to cut it out of your bloodline like, what in the hell are you talking about? Because that's where that doctrine comes from, hell. Straight from hell. And I'm listening to this woman tell a guy, no lie. Um, first of all, she taught her whole message on Christians that are battling this stuff, are, it's because they have legion in them, the demon legion. So all according to this woman all of these Christians that are battling this stuff, it's because you have an army of demons in you. Let me tell you something. If you have an army of demons in you, you're not a Christian. <laughs> Le- Legion is inside you. And I'm listening. I'm listening to her. She's like, now everybody get somebody in the, <laughs> everybody get somebody in the, uh, in the auditorium and begin to pray for them. And, uh, and she's next to this guy and I'm standing there listening. Cause I'd already finished praying for my person. And there's got this old guy and she's like yelling. And it's like old guy and his wife stand next to each other. And she's like yelling. Now I'm telling you, there's a demon in you right now. There's a demon and, 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 and there's an angel. That's what she's saying to the person. The guy's like freaking out. He's like, but there's an angel standing by you with a flaming sword. And he's getting ready. He's an expert in cutting demons out of people. So get ready. The angel's getting ready to cut a demon out of you right now. It's like the dude's like freaking out. He's like, oh, it's like, dude, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> that's not how deliverance works. That's not how deliverance works. No. That's not true, Pearl. Wake up. Open your mind to the Bible. The man in Mark 5 was not a Christian. You genius. Mark 5, the man is not a Christian. He's a sinner. I don't understand how these people are so inept. You're inept. Leading people into a place of bondage because you can't read. Open your Bible and put away every book you bought at Barnes & Noble because it had a pretty cover in your women's book group. And open your Bible and read what the Bible says and stop being stupid and deceived. There's a demon that's in you and, and there's an angel with a flaming sword. Where is that in the Bible? We are two cast out devils. We do it. Angels don't do it. We do it. You've got too much time on your hands doing Google searches for, you know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've seen. It doesn't matter what you feel in your spirit, Pearl. None of that matters. It's what the Bible says. This is why, and I'm glad we've had some Christians that are on the nut side log on to the broadcast today because it proves my point. People don't care what the Bible says. Pearl does not care what the Bible says. She simply does not, and many Christians are like Pearl, that they just simply don't care what the Bible says. They don't, and that's why they get nuts like Pearl and her women's book club, because they don't care. They would rather jump into a New York Times bestseller, I say, ooh, mm, that's powerful, mm, oh, yeah, Then opening their Bible and reading what the Bible says And then obeying it. There's no angel that casts demons out of people. We are commanded as believers to cast demons out. There's no no, uh, angel with a flaming sword standing by you to carve demons. (laughs) Lord, send the demon carving angels now. It's like, no, I'm not arrogant. I'm abiding by what the Bible says. It's called a rebuke. Receive it with humility and change your life. That's why, by the way, that's why the five-fold ministry gifts are set into the church to perfect the saints. I'm doing what I'm actually called to do, to rebuke foolish nonsense, like people like Pearl are spewing on people, vomiting out of their ignorance. Vomiting out of their ignorance. That's why, notice, and I know you can't tell if if you're not on on Facebook, because Pearl's on Facebook, notice she doesn't respond with any scripture verses or any exegetical commentary. It's all like what she's seen and what she believes, and it may may be possible that someone else could have with the man of Mark. It's not possible. It's not possible because it's not in the Bible. And see, this is why I'm telling you, Christians have gone out into the deep end, left field, because they don't abide by what the word of God says. You don't build doctrines on what the Bible doesn't say. You build doctrine on what the Bible does say. Well, I don't know. I heard, I heard a guy one time and he was telling a story about one time when they were in Tibet and they saw this guy that was a pastor of a local church in Tibet and then snakes started coming out of his throat when they started speaking the word to him and, and spiders crawled out of his ears, but he was the pastor of the church. Like, okay, maybe he wasn't a Christian. If you've got demonic snakes crawling out of your throat and spiders out of your ears, it's very possible the Holy Spirit does not also inhabit that temple. I'm blown away. I'm blown away because so, they're so much more ready to accept some story from somebody. Well, I don't know. I had a missionary come in and he said that there were all these people that were Christians and then all of a sudden they started levitating and vomiting green goo. And I, I just think that Christians can be demon possessed. It's like, no. No. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Show me in the, in the epistles after the resurrection of Christ. Show me in the book of Acts where a Christian was delivered from a demon spirit. Show me one. No one can. You know why no one can? It's not there. That's why I'm writing the book. Because you've got a whole generation of people that are in bondage in their mind. Because you've got nut job preachers that are unqualified to stand in any pulpit anywhere in the world. And tell anything to anyone about any subject. They should sit down under somebody that has some knowledge and experience that can teach them the word of God and teach them how to rightly divide the word of truth. And and T. Brown says, pastor, can they be oppressed? I am not. I am not saying that the devil, and I said this at the beginning of the broadcast. Again, Pearl with another comment with no scriptures in it. I'm I'm really glad I turned in so that I can pray for you, spreading this to so people don't get delvered. Can't even spell delivered. Unbelievable. What's the difference between a demon and a spirit? Like a human spirit? What's the difference between a demon and a spirit? No, that's not true, Chantel. This man is dismissing every, every deliverance testimony. Christians can, li- de- demons can live inside of people whether they're Christians or not. Not in the Bible, not in the Bible. Thank you, Chantel, but not in the Bible. So keep on building your doctrines on extra biblical teaching. It's heresy, it's pure heresy. And do you know what else? I'll tell this to Pearl and Chantel. It is a slap in the face to Jesus Christ and the work of his blood, and the work of redemption, and the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a slap in the face. You might as well slap them in the face. Say, Lord, your blood doesn't doesn't mean anything. The Holy Spirit who dwells in us doesn't mean anything. It's a slap in the face to redemption. It's heresy. It's heretical teaching and preaching. And again, notice that there's no scripture going up in the context from these people in the comments. No scripture. Because there is no scripture in the New Testament that teaches this nonsense. Well, who's to say they weren't uh, Christian? The Bible. The Bible is the one to say they weren't. Christians can commit sins, Liliana. But just because a Christian commits a sin doesn't mean they have a demon living in them. Just because, what, what did they tell Simon the sorcerer after he got saved? He wasn't a sorcerer anymore. That's just how the the scripture's identifying him. What did the apostle tell Simon the sorcerer after he committed a sin following his conversion and baptism? Repent. Just repent. If you've committed a sin, repent. Ask for forgiveness and move on. And walk by the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, the Bible says. It's important to have scripture to base what you believe. On what you believe. You have to. And I'm not and again, please, if anybody logs in late, go back to re- watch the beginning. No, Pearl, what I'm saying is, you can't be you can't be possessed by a demon spirit and then a spirit have control of a person and then them get saved. It doesn't work that way. The demon has to be cast out of them because you have to be able to confess that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. If a demon has possession of you, then you're not gonna be able to do that. You're not gonna be able to do that. It's like the the one demon I cast out, and actually it was two demons in this woman, I was in Brazil preaching, two demons in a woman. And she's there, and as people are trying to get saved, she starts to manifest and starts to try to punch all of these people in the face. It took four full-grown men to hold this little woman down who was manifesting demonically, and I ended up having to cast two demon spirits out of this woman. She couldn't get saved until I cast the demons out. While I'm getting ready to pray the prayer of salvation with an entire altar full of people that want to be saved, she is trying to attack and assault them. So it's, it's kinda hard to be like, hey, could you just stop assaulting the, uh, uh, the people who wanna be new, new believers and just say this prayer for salvation? No, you have to cast the demons out that are controlling the individual. And then, and th- so what do we do? I prayed with the other people and they held her. And then when I was done praying with them, I cast the two demons out of her, which by the way, spoke to me in perfect English in a place where no one spoke English. And then after I cast the two demons out of her, she came to begin to speak Portuguese and a- asked the uh, ushers, where am I? Where am I? And then they told her, you're in church. They led her over to the pastor and the pastor led her to Jesus. Notice. And that's not, that's, I don't base my doctrine on what happened there. I base my doctrine on scripture. I'm just giving you a story of like how it works because you've got to, yes, I am answering. And so demons cannot inhabit Christians. There's nowhere in the Bible where that happened ever, ever. We are already possessed by a spirit. It's called the Holy Spirit. The greater one lives in us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, quickens your mortal body. You've already overcome spirits of Antichrist, the Bible said, for greater is he who is in you, in you, than he that's in the world. It's not demons in you, the Holy Spirit, the fullness of God dwells in you. The Bible teaches that. The Bible doesn't teach demons are in Christians. The Bible says the Holy Ghost is in Christians. That's why you have power to cast out demon spirits. Think about what the Bible says, not about what you read in some book in a women's book club it'll help you I'm telling you it'll help you it will help you and so listen as I said at the beginning of this I'm not saying Christians can't be attacked by the devil of course they can why would you need the shield of faith to extinguish every fiery dart of the wicked one of course Christians can be attacked by a devil or demon spirits but notice the attack is from the outside They're launching fiery darts at you, whether literally or figuratively, they're launching fiery darts. What does the shield of faith do? Quenches, extinguishes every fiery dart of the wicked one. They're not in in you, the Holy Ghost is in you. Amen. So of course, Christians can be attacked by the devil, but we've got authority to overcome the attack. See, and you see how weird and wild this gets if you don't base what you believe on what the Bible actually says. What the Bible actually says, not what some dude that you heard at a conference said. What does the Bible say? That's why. I'm not asking you to just blindly believe me. I'm saying open your Bible and study it and you will come to the proper conclusion if you, if you properly interpret the scripture. I don't believe that, Chantel. Chantel. I don't believe you, I either, believe, I either don't believe that you're a, a Christian or I don't believe that you have demons inside you. And I would actually believe that you're a believer more than I would believe that there's demons, demons inside you. And I, Listen, and I'm not minimizing what you had to deal with or go through or the attacks against your life. Chantelle. I'm not minimizing that at all. But I'm telling you that you have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you, not demons. Demons are not inhabiting your body. Now, they may uh, try to attack your mind. And that's why I believe that oppression is different than possession. You say, well, it's not in the original Greek. There's obviously a difference, right? And T. Brown says, Pastor, I struggle with anxiety and depression. I'm a Christian. This should not be right. Well, God doesn't want you to struggle with uh, anxiety and depression. But again, T. Brown, that doesn't mean you have demons living in you. It means that the devil's trying to attack your mind. But what does the Bible say we can do? It says that we can take every thought captive, 2 Corinthians 10. We can make it obey Jesus Christ. Take every thought captive and make it obey Jesus Christ. Set your mind on things above. As I quoted earlier from Philippians, I'm dealing now with T. Brown, Philippians chapter 4. Uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. And then what will happen? The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. Right? T. Brown. And so guard your heart and mind. Say, well, I'm dealing with heaviness. I'm dealing with depression dealing with heaviness I'm dealing with depression, put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Begin to praise God in his presence is fullness of joy. Do what the Bible says. It's not that you don't have demons living in you. That's not what the Bible teaches. There is an attack of the enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I get that. Principalities and powers. I understand. I understand. But what do we do? If you read Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible doesn't say that if you're dealing with principalities and powers, you need to get to a deliverance service. No, you put on the full armor of God. Let me, let me take you there quickly. And Chantel, I'm going to pray for you too. I'll pray that God, God will touch you and I'll pray, but, but I'm not asking, the, I'm not casting demons out of you. Look at this. Let me read this to you so people can understand how Paul would have dealt with this situation. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Okay, so there are schemes of the devil right? I'm not denying that there's attacks of the devil. I'm not, I'm not denying that the enemy tries to launch things at, at, even believers. Of course he does. He's talking to believers in Ephesians six, Ephesians chapter six, beginning with verse 10. And I'm reading down to the, uh, verse 20 be strong. So that's a command, isn't it? Be strong in the Lord. That's not, uh, you know, it's not an automatic thing. He's commanding them to be strong because then he tells them what to do in order to be strong be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. You know what that means? If you don't put on the whole armor of God, you don't, you can't stand against the schemes of the devil. doesn't mean you're going to get demon possessed. It just means that the attacks will remain. The attacks will remain. Anxiety remains. Depression remains. Suicidal thoughts remain. Sickness remains. Why? Not because there's demons living in your body, but because you have not. It's just like, Uh, if If you've ever seen a picture of this with somebody in school that's being bullied, 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 bullied. Yes, if a person has a demon, they're not a Christian pearl. That is correct. Christians can't be possessed by demons. No Indian lover, curses from generations cannot stay with you. It, the power of redemption breaks the curse. It's like even in the Old Testament, how can you curse what God's already blessed? And the Bible says in Ephesians one3 you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So how can the devil overpower the blessing that's on your life and curse you? Generational curses come to an end. Now, what, what people don't realize is that if they don't take authority over these attacks from the enemy, then these things persist. It's like a bully in school that you didn't even know had a glass jaw, but just cause he's bigger than you, you just keep taking it and taking it and taking it. Cause people think that the devil's bigger than them cause they don't know who they are in Christ. And they don't know that the greater one lives on the inside of them. And that the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead is quickening their mortal body. So they'll every day at school getting beat and they just take it and they take it and they take it. Well, he's bigger and, and, and he's, he's bullying me every day. And then one day when they've had enough of it, they rear their fist back and they put one into the guy's jaw and he's knocked out cold to never mess with them again. Why? Because you took it and you took it and you took it. Instead of standing up by the authority that's in you and saying enough is enough in Jesus name. Enough is enough. How can the devil curse what God's already blessed? People give so much credit to the devil and demons and they're already defeated, already under our feet. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. What what Bible are people reading? Is It blows my mind. Anyway, be strong in the Lord, power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, get that, truth, that's the word of God, righteousness, that's your salvation, as shoes for your feet, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The gospel, once again, the word of God. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. How does faith come? By hearing the word of God, with which you can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of what? Salvation. And the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer, supplication to that end. Keep alert. With all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. I'll stop there. See, he just explained to you how to be strong in the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God. And I'm just going to tell you to not fall into this stuff, to not fall into this foolishness, this heresy, you have got to know what the Bible says. You got to know what the Bible says. You have to understand. And so, you know, I love these guys. I'm sure they're doing it with a, a desire to truly help people. Maybe some of them are doing it to just blow up their YouTube channel. But let me, let me tell you something. I would never teach something that, that was, uh, you know, specifically, um, controversial and teach stuff just, just as, as clickbait to get people. I, I just need subscribers. I don't just need subscribers. I'm trying to teach what the word of God actually says. And maybe some of them are genuine in what they're teaching. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're not. Maybe they are just being sensationalists. God help them if they are, because it takes people in deception Harms believers, especially immature believers, to teach false doctrine and to believe, like the comments that I read to you, to believe heretical things that other people, what they have said and what human voices have said and what men have done, hold the same authority as the inspired word of God, heresy, pure heresy. It's foolishness. <laughs> so, unbelievable. Unbelievable. But here's the key. Let what you believe be based on proper interpretation of the Word of God. This is, why, this is why it's so very important to know how to rightly divide the Word of Truth. so important. And you've got to know it, or you'll be plagued throughout your entire life. Plagued. I'm putting out the challenge to Mark C. Give me one passage of scripture in the New Testament that shows a believer being delivered from a demon. Just give me one. Just give me one. That's all I'm asking. It's all I've asked for anybody. It's all I've asked from anyone. So the reason nobody can do it is because it's not in the Bible. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. And the sad part is that people would rather believe sensational things. And and listen, part of it is because people are hungry for the spirit and for spiritual things. And I feel bad because many churches have stepped away from the supernatural, but listen, as supernatural people, as supernatural people, we hunger for supernatural things. And I have, I understand that. That's why people want the supernatural. They don't want dead, dry religion. They want the supernatural. Mark, you keep saying these things. People can have demons. It's that simple whether you're a believer or not. Show me in the Bible, Mark. Show me in the Bible. Because that's the only thing that defines doctrine in the Christian world. The Bible. That's it. Give me one, one instance of a Christian having a demon cast out of them in the New Testament. Give me one. Just one. Just one. I'm begging you. I'm begging anybody that's a proponent of this stuff that believes it. Just give me one instance in the scripture where a Christian had a demon cast out I don't disagree with Mark that people can, um, every instance of demonization in the Bible, <laughs> there are no instances of Christians having demons cast out of them. That's my point. Well, go back and watch the whole broadcast. And the sad thing is, is that people are hungry for the supernatural. Many churches have eliminated the supernatural. I can make a promise to you, that that's something Miracle Word Church will never do. We'll never quench the Holy Spirit. We'll never despise prophecies. We'll never forbid speaking in tongues. We will never step away from the mighty move of the Holy Spirit because people need the power of God in operation in their lives. They need the Book of Acts style Christianity at work in their families and in their lives because people are are being attacked. Again, as I said, people are being attacked by the devil. They need the power of the Holy Ghost. They need the power of God's word. Amen. And so I'm telling you, we're going to stand. God's raising up an army in South Florida of people that are not going to put up with an antichrist agenda, that are not going to bow their knee to the spirit of this world. People that will do what the Bible says and stand and boldly proclaim, seeing souls come in from every direction, be saved. People baptized in the Holy Ghost. People changed. People healed. People delivered from addictions. (laughs) Mark still has no verses of scripture because he doesn't know the Bible. You can can always sit and say, you just don't understand, brother. You just don't understand the way it works. I understand it, but you don't understand it. And the things I understand, I can't explain because I have no scriptures for it. But I just understand it, brother. And you don't understand it, but I do understand it. That's an excellent, excellent argument, Mark. Um, That'll get you far in life. (laughs) I get it. You guys don't get it. I can't explain why I get it. (laughs) I'm not laughing with you, Mark. I'm laughing at you. He just made me spit my coffee. <laughs> now I need paper towels. <laughs> oh, Mark, thank you. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, that was wonderful. That was wonderful. Mark, I have to say thank you. I've never been able to spew my coffee on a broadcast before. (laughs) Oh, man. And again, there's still not been any verses of Scripture put into the comments section. (laughs) A sip at the right at the wrong time. You know what probably caused that was a demon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but again, we've still got no scriptures from anyone who believes this stuff, (laughs) it's a coffee demon. I take authority over you. You foul pour over coffee demon. We've still, we've got no verses of scripture. I understand it, but you don't. You just don't understand. (laughs) If people would just simply read the Bible in context, Read the Bible in context. Let it speak. Let the Holy Spirit say what He said. And then believe it. And then apply it. (laughs) It'll bless you. Father, I pray for those that are watching today, those that are part of the Victory Tribe and those that have come on to troll, we pray for everybody. Give us all a hunger for Your Word. Give us wisdom as we read Your Word. I pray, Lord, that You would continue to raise up hungry, on-fire believers that are not ashamed of your word, that are not ashamed of your spirit, that will stand in the gap for those that need help, that will see souls won. Lord, you said in your word that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. You said that the harvest is white and ready to be reaped. So, Lord, we're not just saying send laborers into your harvest field. We are saying we are those laborers. Use us, Lord. Use us. Use us to see souls saved. Use us to see people filled and baptized with the Holy Ghost. Use us to see people healed. Use us to see people delivered in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, that before Jesus comes back, that you would give us a mighty revival that would sweep through not only this nation, but the nations of the world. In Jesus' name, blow your breath from heaven upon the 50 states and the minor outlying territories of the United States of America. Blow your breath in Canada. Blow your breath in Mexico and in Europe, Eastern and Western Europe, Asia, Australia. Blow your breath, Lord, and let us see a mighty move of the Holy Ghost, a mighty powerful move of your Spirit. Let souls come in at an expedited rate in Jesus' wonderful name. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for opening doors for Miracle Word Church. We thank you for what's getting ready to take place. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.